The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. As we enter this season of Advent, a season of anticipation, of waiting and expectation. We've been given a gift. We've been given teachers who today are seeking rescue and redemption. And we feel as though we've heard this story before. A caravan of refugees, a group of weary travelers, fleeing occupation and oppression with dreams of peace of better days ahead for their children. A group setting out to find what's been lost. We meet a mother from Honduras, Orlena, escaping a situation unimaginable to most of us. A mother who began her journey of desperation nine months pregnant, walking with her husband across a desolate landscape, in pain, with callous feet, until she stopped to give birth to a beautiful baby girl, Juanita. We feel as though we've heard this story before. A pregnant mother, an anxious father, a long and treacherous journey to Bethlehem. A couple fleeing persecution and violence on the run from a cruel dictator, escaping to Egypt for the safety of their child, we enter Advent together with these brothers and sisters, mindful of the scriptures, these stories that continue to play out, remembering that we too were strangers in a foreign land, realizing that we have so much to learn. Advent is a season for those who are still on their journey, those determined to find what's been lost, to mend what's been broken, to live long enough to see redemption with their own eyes. It is in this season that our hearts beat with the rhythm of those who wait, who watch, who dream. Does love have an open door? Welcome, stranger. Give us your tired and poor. All those in need or dreamers Teach us to dream again Or children we want to see again Oh, what a beautiful world, what a beautiful world We say land of liberty, pretend equality, let freedom reign. Quiero libertad. Does the cost of security bankrupt our humanity? Quiero libertad. 
love having no Yo quiero libertad, I, wa I want to be free. Isn't that a beautiful expression? And Ecclesia, we're preparing now to enter the season that we believe changed everything for all times, Christmas. And the season of waiting and preparation uh, to remember and to celebrate that season is called Advent. If you're new to Ecclesia, maybe you're new to the faith, this may be your first Advent. And we want to invite you into a season of waiting. And we believe at Ecclesia, I believe with all my heart, that this is the event that radically changed the world. That when Jesus was born, it was an opportunity to bring freedom to all people at all time and all places. And that that freedom, um, it, it calls us into a different kind of life. In fact, the life that many are afraid of as we uh, were serving uh, this caravan of migrants, so many women and children. We have this deep belief at Ecclesia, it's impossible to hate people you eat great food with. And I'm just telling you, have a Philly cheesesteak with one of these moms, and you're just like, I love this woman. You hear their story, you're overwhelmed. And the Bible's filled with just beautiful symmetry. Um, even as we sing about dreamers, we know the original dreamer in the Bible was a man named Joseph. And Joseph was a dreamer. God spoke to him in dreams, and Joseph was a part of God's people the children of Israel, ultimately, uh, being a part of uh, a regime in Egypt that helped save many people because he had a dream, and ultimately in the midst of that, was part of what brought God's children into slavery for the first time. And the Bible's filled with such symmetry. Those people leave Egypt, they flee, they're on the run, God rescues them. They have some struggles along the way. In fact, they really wanted meat. We, we got here and, and the logistics people uh, in Mexico City said, you know what these people want? They want meat, they haven't had meat in so long. And I thought, I've heard that before, I've read that before. That's somewhere in the Bible. And this beautiful symmetry, even as God ultimately leads his people to the Holy Land, later on Jesus is born to reestablish, I believe, the Holy Land in our hearts, to give us this kingdom of God, this uh, land of abundance in our own hearts and our own lives in all times and in all places. And you know what Jesus has to do? First thing comes into the world, born in this stable, and he has to run to Egypt as an immigrant to be safe. And Ecclesia, we're gonna invite you, as we prepare for Christmas, to enter into the story that we believe changes everything. And some Christians are caught up fighting about it. They think it's a cultural event. So some people are fighting about whether or not you walk into Best Buy and somebody should say Merry Christmas to you or Happy Holidays. And this is what you need to know, at least, if, if I'm your pastor, I want you to know what I believe. I'm not sure anybody at Best Buy should be saying Merry Christmas. Have you ever thought about what it means? 
I mean, you really have to believe what you're saying. Merry Christmas is a declaration. You know what Christ means, right? Like it's, it's not Jesus' last name. He's not Jesus Christ. Like that's not how his mail came. It was, I'm Jesus Christ. And you had Joseph Christ and Mary Christ. It's not his last name. It's a declaration that he's the king. He's the anointed one. He's the Messiah. Uh, we would say the liberating king, the king that came to make all people free in all times and in all places. And so we become this unique people that enter into the kingdom of God, which is a land of abundance. And what it tells us is that where most people live with a zero sum gain, if you get something, then I lose. We live in a world that's just the opposite. We say, God multiplies like fish and loaves. He multiplies everything that's been given to us. And so Ecclesia, I wanna invite you into a season that not only changed the world historically, we re-enter the season of Advent and we celebrate Christmas because we believe that God wants to bring freedom to us again. And I believe, I, I look at every one of you, I look at your kids, and I believe God wants to give you a new sense of freedom as we enter Advent, an opportunity to worship fully, to really focus your attention on Jesus the Christ. I hope you do say Merry Christmas, but I hope when you say it that you know you're declaring, I hope you find joy, Mary. I hope you find joy in the fact that Christ has been declared the liberating King of all people in all times and in all places. And I'm not sure Best Buy is the place to make that declaration. We wanna be a people at Ecclesia that say, Christmas is about worship. We wanna worship Jesus fully. We wanna give him our whole heart and our whole lives. And if you're like me and you're like most people, Jesus got part of you. Maybe he's got a little bit, but this is a season we go, hey Jesus, I'm all in. I'm all in. I wanna worship you with all that I have. And Ecclesia, we've said, this is a season because um, I hate to break it to you, you're not free any more than uh, our friends in Nicaragua that are under an oppressive government are free. Um, you and I have given ourselves to different kinds of bondage and for many of us, materialism is one of the primary forms of that bondage. And we said, we're gonna be a people at Ecclesia that in the season of Christmas, in the season that we celebrate, that we have joy because we believe Christ is the liberating King that came for all people in all times and all places, we're gonna do it by spending less, not being oppressed by materialism. And at the very beginning of our journey of celebrating Christmas well as a church at Ecclesia, uh, this uh, movement that we called Advent Conspiracy, at the heart of it was our kids. And really what happened was we started explaining to our kids, Kids, what would it feel like if you came, uh, you gathered all your friends for your birthday? It's your birthday, you've waited all year for your birthday. You get all your friends together at your birthday party and everybody's giving gifts to each other and nobody brought a gift for you. Most of the kids would go, that's awful, right? That, no, that's awful. Like that's the worst birthday party ever. And we realized that's mostly what we do to Jesus year after year after year. We come, we give gifts to each other, often material gifts. What'd you get for Christmas last year? Often we don't remember if it's a material gift, but somebody gives you a part of who they are, their time, their energy, their creativity, their love, you never forget it. So we said that the most important gifts you can give are not things that you can buy. We're gonna be people that spend less, but when we spend less, we're gonna give more. And so I don't think the best gifts you're gonna get this year at the Galleria, in fact, stay away if you can. It's like a spiritual black hole over there. It'll pull you in. It's, it's really difficult. You can buy some things. We wanted you to give great gifts, but I want you to know um, this ability to swipe. Now we don't swipe, we punch our card, right? That's, 
that's not a spiritual act uh, that's gonna lead you into great gift giving. There are some amazing gifts you can give. I wanna invite you to be more creative. I wanna invite you to give to your children, to your family of yourself. Take a journey together, an adventure together. Do something you've never done before and do it together and make it a part of the way that you celebrate Christmas. We wanna be a people that worship fully, that spend less, that give more in this season. And ultimately, Ecclesia, we wanna be a people that love all. We believe Christmas changes the world, not only in our families and in our hearts, but as we become generous, that we're a people that are intended to love all. And so no matter who you are, no matter where you stand with how things could work or should work with immigration, all of us know that Central America can't just be enveloped across the border in the United States. What we need is for people in Central America, the governments in Central America, the communities, the cities in Central America to thrive. We need people to thrive. And so you know what we do at Christmas? You know the way we give gifts to Jesus? It's the same way he told us to actually. He said, if you do unto the least of these, then you've done unto me. I've met and encountered the least of these this week. We know many of the least of these, people that we love all over Central America. And Ecclesia, year after year after year, you gather your gifts and your resources, and we believe the best gift you ought to give this year should be to Jesus. And so I wanna ask you to start preparing for that. I wanna ask you to pray about it. And what we're gonna do as a church, we take an offering. It's an Advent conspiracy offering. It's a missions offering. And we work with Living Water International, and we work with local churches all over Central America and all over the world. And we believe that this Christmas can change the world for our brothers and sisters in El Salvador, in Nicaragua, in Honduras, in Guatemala, in places that have desperate need. And we believe the kingdom of God is to come there and abundance is to come in those places and it's for those families there to thrive. So Ecclesia, when you think about, I told you there's a symmetry in the Bible, right? Joseph the dreamer goes to Egypt, ultimately all the children of Jacob become enslaved in Egypt. They swell to a massive group, millions of people. They find their freedom, they move to the promised land. Jesus is born in Bethlehem. He flees to Egypt to be safe. He's being chased down by an earthly king that doesn't, is threatened by his kingdom, the kingdom that Jesus has come to establish. And then he lives this perfect, flawless, beautiful life. He teaches us how to love. The Gospel of John, it may be my favorite gospel, he starts to just condense all the truth that he's offered to people. And you get to this, uh, climax in many ways as he's preparing to go to the cross and the disciples don't fully understand he's offered he's broken the bread and offered the wine and shared this beautiful meal and explained to them the sacrifice he's going to make and then he tells them in John 13 people will know you're dis you're my disciples and this is where they're bound to be listening right because they're going yeah, yeah that's kind of what we are we're your disciples and he's saying I'm going to leave you and he says they'll know that you're my disciples by the way you love one another by the way, you love all people in all places and all times. And that's who we're called to be, Ecclesia. I believe Christmas can change the world and it starts with change in our hearts. And so I wanna invite you into a season where we're gonna pray, we're gonna worship, we're gonna ask God to do a work in us and then we're gonna gather our best gifts. We're gonna ask God to do a miracle with them all across the globe because we're going to be known as Jesus' disciples when we love all people. Let's do that well. Our dear brother David was on this fabulous trip with us, just loving kids, loving moms, encouraging people. 
It was such a blessing to hear this melody that I'm hoping will just ring in your heads as we prepare now to come both to communion and we ask God to prepare us for Advent, for the season of waiting. Now, most of you don't like to wait. Um, in fact, if you take your kids on a vacation, you can define it by being great because you didn't wait. You would go to Disneyland, a great vacation to Disneyland is no lines, no waiting. And now we're gonna have a spiritual season where we go, hey, this is what it's about. It's all about waiting. We're gonna wait for Jesus to be born because we believe that that anticipation is gonna offer us an opportunity to be radically changed. And what we're praying is that when Jesus shows up in our hearts and lives, that it's demonstrated in the kind of love he was talking about in John chapter 13. Every day we go to war again. We assume we know so much more than them before we hear what they have to say. Headline breaks and we start to hate again. Calling them names again, we give our peace away. I hope they see it, cause I wanna see it. I hope we believe it. Get over, get over, el todo el Todo el Quiero ver, quiero ver el amor. Todo el Todo el beautiful. I'm so grateful for our teams that are able to capture and tell stories through video that way. Uh, deeply touches me. Um, and I, to all of you, I just want to say thank you. Uh, those of you that share your tithes and offerings, those gifts that you give, they go to feeding people in caravans and making sure they get food and not only food, but they connect and there's relationships and there's hopes and there's conversation that comes from that. So thank you for being generous and being a part of that. And as we come into Advent, we just want to figure out how can we do more of those kind of things together. 
so that God can do something through us that we can't even dream or imagine or fathom. And we want to take some time to go into and just celebrate and remember communion, but we also want to prepare for Advent. And I want to talk about some of the tensions that we're likely going to feel this week and how closely connected they are to our ability to wait in the season and experience and be ready for Jesus' birth. Um, well, as we do that, I want to throw out a question for you. And the question is, what, what's the best gift that you were ever given or the best gift that you ever received? Maybe it was at a Christmas. Maybe it was at a birthday. But take a few moments and think about it and get that, that moment, that feeling in your head. And while you're doing it, I want to tell you if it's okay about uh, one of the best gifts I ever received. And it was when I was seven years old at Christmas and mom and dad wrapped up and put under a tree a brand new Nintendo Entertainment System, the NES, the original. So I see some heads nodding. Everyone's like, so like yes, it had uh, Duck Hunt in it. It came with a little gun. Uh, it had the original Mario Brothers, yeah. Uh, and I don't think this came with it. I think mom and dad also got that, but they got the little gold um, box that was the original Legend of Zelda. Um, anybody, yeah? So, oh man, some, there were some fond memories. Part of why it was such a great gift is a couple of things. One, that summer before Christmas, we had made a trip to go visit my cousins and my aunt and uncle who lived in Atlanta, Georgia. We didn't get to see them very often. So it was a gift to go see them. And when we were there, they had the Nintendo Entertainment System in their house. So they introduced it to us and I can remember uh, moments when I was watching my eight-year-old brother play Mario, and I was waiting for my turn, and you'd watch him hit the A button so he could jump, so Mario could jump on the little thing or hit the coin, and he would jump whenever he pushed it as well. Uh, and I remember playing Duck Hunt, and we would, mom kept having to tell us, you can't be that close to the screen. Uh, but we would get, like, right up on it so that, like, we could, you know, like, shoot it. And, you know, it, we were cheating is really what was happening. But it was so great. Uh, not just the game and, and those things, but the relationships that came out of it. The times that we spent together laughing, uh, making fun of each other, you know, because we're jumping when, when Mario's jumping. But one of the things that I would have never known was how gifted and how my dad is uniquely wired. So my dad's an engineer, um, and I think there's probably a lot of folks in here that are in engineers. And I kid you not, I think my dad loved Zelda more than me and my brother did. And he had this thing where he would put us to bed early so that he could go play Zelda. And we were okay with it um, because what dad would do is he'd go in and he'd play Zelda but then he'd make two-scale maps on graph paper of all the different levels and everything. And so you could, you could actually see, okay, if you go in this room and then you take a left, you can actually use a bomb to get through this wall. So it doesn't look like there's a room there, but you can get in there. And then here's where you find this arrow or this ring or whatever. And then if you go in this room, it transports you to this other spot. Like, and he would have it all mapped out. So we would wake up at 6, 6.30 in the morning, whatever time it was, we would wake up. And we'd come screaming into the kitchen, because that's where Dad was making coffee. And be like, Dad, Dad, what did you do? You know, what did you do last night? You know? And he'd pull out a map, and he'd show us. 
what he was doing, and we couldn't wait to get in and go play ourselves. And we became like rock stars at school because as soon as anybody figured out, you've got maps at your house of Legend of Zelda, like they would all like want to come to our house. And then we found the other engineer parents who were like, oh my gosh, like let me, let me see your map. Let me compare notes. Let me see what you're doing. So like it was, it was so great, all these relationships that came of it. And it was fantastic to see this side of my dad that I probably would have never known if it hadn't been for that game. And I think that's probably true for you. If you think about those gifts that are the best gifts, it's probably not just about the thing that was given. It's probably about the people and the relationships that are connected to it or the relationships that came from it or the way that gift said from the person, I see you, I know you, and it, the way it draws you in. And as we talk about this season of Advent, I think those are the kind of people we want to become the kind of people who are so present, who are able to speak blessings into people's life, who are able to say, I see you, and I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad we're connected. And I think this week, this week of Thanksgiving is so critical to our ability to be present in each other's lives because of Thanksgiving. That what we're really talking about with giving gifts or we're talking about with Advent and Advent Conspiracy is about being generous, about giving not just things, but really giving of ourselves. And what we know is true, and you find this in the scriptures, you find this all over the place, is that gratitude is the first step away from greed. It's what actually begins to change our perspective and how we see the world so that we no longer say, Everything is scarce, and I need to get everything that's out there. But gratitude actually helps us see all of life is a gift. And everything that I have is already better than I deserve. And it helps us to orient that to where now we can actually move into giving not just things, but ourselves to other people. But what we're going to find and what we're going to experience this week is we're going to go to Thanksgiving. And then the next day is going to go to Black Friday. Uh, and I used to work uh, for Apple Retail, so Black Friday was like, we didn't even want to talk about it, right? But, and, and it's even getting closer to where now you almost have to hurry to, to finish Thanksgiving meals so you can get to the doorbuster that's on Thanksgiving night. And I think if we're not careful we can get caught up in this tension and lose the ability to pause and just be grateful. And I'm not saying don't go shopping, um, but I do think for me and, and what I want all of us to do is to make sure that we're intentional this week as we go towards Advent to take time to be incredibly grateful. And there's a story in the scriptures that, that talk about this tension and if you guys remember the story of Elizabeth and Zecharias, who were John the Baptist's parents, they had been struggling with infertility for years and years, and all of a sudden they find out they're going to have a baby. And in the course of it, uh, Zecharias loses his ability to speak. He can no longer speak. And when the baby finally came, they were so excited, so, so overjoyed, and all their family came in, Everybody wanted to be there, and true to Jewish custom, on the eighth day when it came to name the baby, they kept asking Elizabeth, what are you going to name the baby? And she said, his name is John. And the family is saying, no, 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 you can't name him John. 
that's not the cultural custom. That's not the norm. That's not a family name. And they would assume that they were just going to name him Zacharias after his father. And so they look to, to Zacharias and they say, what, what's his name? And he motions for something to write with and he writes down, his name is John. We're going to break the custom. We don't care about the tension. There's something bigger. There's something deeper at work here. And we're not going to shame anybody for it, but we're going to do something different. And as soon as he wrote down, his name is John, his tongue, his mouth was loosened, and he was able to speak, and he spoke blessings and gratitude to God for this incredible gift of their child. And I think that's the space we want to live in this week, is to know we're going into a season where we're going to feel the tension. We're going to feel the pull in several different ways. But what we're going to do, what we're going to be a people is a people who practice gratitude this week. One of my coworkers at, at Apple, we got to have some really great conversations. And he was telling me about some of his frustrations with trying to practice gratitude, that he could see it was something that was important for him, something that would help him. But he said, no matter what I do, I just can't seem to feel more gratitude. And this really puzzled me, perplexed me. So we, we, would, we spent a couple times and we would sit down and talk about it. So I asked him, I said, well, tell me what you're doing. How are you practicing gratitude? And he said, well, everything I see and everybody tells me that I should just make lists of everything that I'm grateful for. So that's what I've done. I've made a ton of lists. I said, okay, well, that, that actually sounds good. That actually sounds a lot like what I do. And so I asked him, I was like, hey, would, would you mind, would you share your lists? And I was astounded at how much was on his list. He was really thorough. Like, I mean, just item by item by item. But what I began to notice was his lists were um, very generic, just, just things. Like, and it wasn't bad things. Like he would have on his list, I'm grateful for my son. I'm grateful for my wife. I'm grateful for my job. I'm grateful for my house. Those, those kind of things. But he said, I, I just don't feel any more gratitude. And what I know is that it's not just the things that help us connect to that sense of gratitude, that the more we can connect to the emotion and the feeling that's in there, the more we will know that gratitude. So I would say the same thing. I would say I'm incredibly grateful for my daughter, Aiden Elizabeth. But if I try to pinpoint it, I could tell you about Thursday when she just wants to play chase in the house and so she says, Daddy, chase me, chase me. The sound of her little feet slapping the tile and the cackle in her laugh when I jump outside and around the corner and scare her, and for some reason she absolutely loves that, and she starts laughing. Those are the things that help me feel that sense of gratitude. So, Ecclesia, what I want to encourage you to do is to practice some gratitude this week. And maybe some of you do this, that when you get together, you make lists or you talk about what are you grateful for. But I want to encourage you to go beyond just listing the thing. But can you get to the sounds? Can you get to the smells, the colors, the feeling, the textures? Can you name those things about the things or the people that you're grateful for. Because what I know it does in me 
is it makes me feel and experience that gratitude. And then on top of that, it helps me to step in and give a gift that's really thoughtful or to speak a blessing over somebody and say, let me tell you why I'm so grateful for you. Let me tell you why you're such a blessing to me. So this week, Ecclesia, can we practice that? Even if it's one item a day, can you list one thing that you're grateful for, but not just the thing? What are the, what are the sights, smells, sounds that go with it and attach itself to that? Will you pray with me? God, we express our gratitude to you for your endless love for us, for the sacrifice you made on our behalf, and how when we receive your forgiveness, it sets us free from shame and guilt. It sets us free from feeling the need to impress others. And we ask that most of all, as we gather, that we would receive your love for us. We ask that you would help us to practice gratitude this week, regardless of all the pressure and things that are going on this week, that we would stay in that tension and say, I'm going to be grateful this week. I'm going to practice gratitude this week. And we're confident and we're trusting that as we do, that you will change us, that you will meet us in that space, that you will prepare us for your coming, and that we will wait well in this season of Advent. And we ask all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.